I wrote 10,000 songs I wrote 10,000 crappy songs Yeah, I wrote 10,000 crappy songs But now I'm a detective Ten Thousand Crappy Songs Season 2 Blow Wind Blow Episode 1 1 I drove down to Chinatown, parked, and went into one cock. This was not the old one cock. This was the new one cock. Mr. Cock, who was now in prison, had sold his business to Sergeant Melnick of the police force. They still served cookies that claimed to be the best in town, but they had upgraded. Melnick had begged or stolen or bought or, more likely, extorted the recipe for the gooey yellow donuts from the chef at the Bessentessin. Mmm. After all, everyone needs a parking ticket or two fixed once in a while. So now, one cock served those donuts. And Melnick now answered to the name One Cock. Not just answered to it, he demanded it. Call me Juan Cock, he would say to anyone. Melnick still worked on the police force, but now that he owned Juan Cock, he had less time for the cop work. Which was why, I guess, he bothered to call me. It's Juan Cock, he said. Come down to the restaurant. I got a proposition for you. I don't know, I said. I got plenty of work just now. That was an outright lie, unless you consider no work to be plenty of work. But without pride, a detective is not going to be any good. With pride, he may also not be any good. But now we're just playing games of semantics, and in the current political climate, no one has time for that. So I went down to one cock. At the very least, I would get one of those yellow, gooey donuts out of the deal, which seemed like enough. Anything else would be gravy, or yellow goo. Melnick was sitting in a booth waiting for me. He waved to me cheerily. His demeanor had certainly brightened since he had become one cock. Melnick, I said. Call me one cock, he said. I have a hard time calling you that. You'll get used to it. How's business? Great, I said. Got more jobs than I know what to do with. I'm tailing everyone in town. He nodded. Uh-huh. Glad to hear it. Hey, you want a donut? If you insist. He motioned to the waitress. I felt better already knowing that donut was on its way. I got something you might be interested in, he said. What's that? He pulled a card out of his pocket and placed it on the table in front of me. Stephen J. Kildow, it said. Cursive and a number. Who's this? I said. Some lawyer? He smiled. Nope. Crook? You too busy to tail this guy? He's not a crook, said Melnick. At least, not by trade. He's a songwriter. A songwriter? Yep, said Melnick. Wasn't that your game for a while? (laughs) For a while. I wrote 10,000 crappy songs before I became a detective. I merely shrugged. Something like that. Well, call this guy. I referred you. What does he want? A collaborator? I don't do that anymore. 
our donuts arrived. Our conversation lagged while we carved up our confections. I stole a glance at Melnick. He was completely absorbed by his donut. Mm. I noticed he had gotten fat since becoming one cuck. Rounder in the face. Doughy, you are what you eat. Just call the guy, said Melnick when his plate was empty and he was licking his finger to get the last remaining bits of yellow goo. There's nothing much we can do. It's right up your alley, though. I recommended you. It's like giving you money. You ought to thank me. Thank you, I said, for the donut. But I picked up Kildow's card and put it in my pocket. Two. I got back to my office. I had a desk and a nice chair. I also had a red beanbag chair for my clients. Because I didn't have anything else to do, I tried calling Stephen J. Kildow. This is Steve Kildow, said a recorded voice. Leave a message. I hung up. I was not in the habit of leaving phone messages for people I didn't know. I took note of the fact that his business card said Stefan, but on his message he was just Steve. I'm always interested in the discrepancies between people's business cards and what they go by informally. I find it a little pretentious when Steve on the phone becomes Stefan on the business card. Maybe it's just me, but I'm a detective. I'm paid to detect. Okay, sometimes I'm paid to detect. At the moment, I was not being paid to detect, but detecting was my job all the same. It's like when I was a songwriter. In my day, I wrote a lot of songs. Almost all of them were crappy. Over the years, I wrote 10,000 crappy songs. Maybe it's not something to be proud of, but at the same time, an awful lot of people have never written 10,000 songs, crappy or otherwise. After I put the phone down, I took out a sheet of paper and started scribbling a song. It's just out of habit. It was to the tune of Hickory Dickory Dock, more or less. On my office door, nobody knocks. Who knows what Steve Kildow unlocks? I don't have a case. There's no one to chase. And Melnick now goes by one cock. Was it Cole Porter? No. Big deal. I wasn't under any illusion. I could have banged out another verse, floated a chorus, whipped up a bridge. Didn't need to. Just a nervous tick. I crumbled it up and threw it away. I tried Kildow again. This time, he answered. Yeah? Not hello. Yeah. Stephen J. Kildow? Yeah. I got your name and number from Sergeant Melnick of the police force. Oh, yeah. You're the detective guy? Yes, I said. Oh. This guy was a real talker. Do you wish to meet? I said. Yeah, sure. We could do that. When would you like to meet? I said. Um, lunch tomorrow? He said. Okay, I said. Where? I don't know, he said. You decide. What did I want to eat? Burger? Mm, too heavy. And the best one seemed to have greasy buns. Italian? Dark and noisy. And you ended up eating too much bread. Out of habit, I said, How about the bowl? The rice place? He said. 
Yes, I said, that one. Okay. He said, when? This guy really took control. Um, one? Okay. He said, um, I said, I'll have a black ball cap on. Okay. He said, what will it say on it? I thought about what black caps I had. Uh, Ass cap, I said. Okay. Said Kildo. And we hung up. I had time to kill. I sat in my office for a while, just in case anyone buzzed downstairs. No one did. Around 4.30, I closed up and drove home. I had some baked beans on toast and potato chips and lemonade. I put on my pajamas and got into bed. I read the chess column in the paper. I didn't play chess and I didn't understand the moves they talked about. But still, I enjoyed reading about it. Then I turned off the light and went to sleep. Three. The next morning I was in a suit at the bowl at 9.30. I got shoes and a ball. I had recently started using a slightly heavier ball. The thumb hole was bigger, which gave my release point more consistency. And the slightly heavier ball forced me into a smoother follow-through. My scores improved immediately. I got more strikes. My confidence picked up. I hoped it might carry over into other areas of my life. I couldn't tell if it had already. Sometimes I thought so. I bowled a 157 and a 169. I started to lock in. If I had bowled a few more games, I would have been very surprised not to have at least been in the high 180s. But I was there for a meeting. I didn't want to get all sweaty. You would be surprised how many people don't re-rack their balls. They just leave them where the balls shoot back up. Leave them for the next people to clear away. It's like not flushing in a public restroom. I guess there's people who do that, but it's not considered a great thing. Now they have these toilets in the airports that flush on their own. There's no lever, just a sensor. You can't flush even if you want to. Sometimes they malfunction. The sensor doesn't work, and there's nothing you can do. You just have to leave the stall with the toilet unflushed. Like not re-racking your bowling ball. Not good. I went to the cafe part of the bowling alley with time to kill. It wasn't even noon. I sat down and ordered some tea and grabbed a paper. I was looking at the chess column when who walked in but Hal Shue. He sat down. I just got out of jail, he said. It's only been three months, I said. The prisons are overcrowded, he said. And my behavior was excellent. Congratulations, I said. How was life in the joint? It was all right, he said. What are you going to do now, I said. Eat lunch. More generally? He shrugged. No smuggling. Maybe I'll record your song. You should. We'll get rich. That would be nice. He looked good. Prison seemed to have agreed with him. He looked tan and fit and rested. You having lunch? He said. We get some rice. I'm meeting someone in a little while. Detective stuff? That sort of thing, I said. Okay, he said. I'll sit elsewhere. He got up and sat a few tables away. I thought of the song, 
watching the detectives. I had watched Hal Shoe sing a couple of times at the Paper Doll downtown. Now he would be watching me meet Kildow. It was just how it was. I sat there for a little while. Then a guy came in. He had on a t-shirt and jeans of average height and build, bald. He looked around. His eyes brushed past me. He went and sat at the counter. Was that Kildow? Had he missed seeing my black ASCAP hat? Another guy came in. He had on a brown corduroy jacket. He looked to be in his early thirties. Glasses. He looked around. He looked at my hat, then at me. He came over and sat down. Hello, I said. Stephen J. Kildow? You can call me Steve, he said. Yes, I said, from your phone message. Steve. It's simpler, he said. Easier. Anyway. You want some rice? I said. He nodded. We ordered. The rice came quickly and we got to it. Kildow seemed content to just eat rice. Clearly, he would need some prodding. I cleared my throat. So, I said, Melnick said you might have something to tell me. Yes, said Kildow, still scooping up his rice. Finally, he put down his fork. I'm a victim, said Kildow. I've been robbed. Yes, I said. The police can't help me. They've told me that. Melnick said that, I pressed. Yes. Kildow hesitated, then went on. Melnick says you used to write songs before you became a detective? Kind of. Mostly. That's right. Well, the guy who stole from me, his name is Ginjazi. Okay, I said, but why are you coming to me? He stole my songs, said Kildow. Ten Thousand Crappy Songs is brought to you by One Joke Too Many, because sometimes one joke just isn't enough. This episode written and voiced by Dan Burns. Produced by Dan Burns and Will Massasak. Songs by Dan Burns. The show's theme music and score written by Will Massasak and Dan Burns. If you like the show, there's no mystery as to what to do. Just visit us at danburn.com, look for the donate button, and donate. Thanks. Tune in next time for another edition of 10,000 Crappy Songs. Yeah.